You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's OBEHAVE with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Now, if you're like me, you've just adopted a great dog from a shelter, and you're looking for a little good fortune. Well, you're in luck, because our special guest today is the host of Lucky Dog. He knows how to take dogs and puppies from shelters and bring out the best in them. We want to give pause and applause to the one, the only, the Emmy Award winning Brandon McMillan, who is now the author of a new book you must get your paws on. It's called Lucky Dog Lessons. Hey, Brandon, welcome back. Third time's a charm on the show. Third time. Getting better every time. I know. Did you really just adopt a dog? Yes, I did. And her name is Kona. Well, officially, it's Ice Cream Kona. She's very nice, nice Kona. All right. Vanilla Ice is probably going to sue me. What is she like? We believe she is about a year and a half old, maybe almost two. She is a, looks like her parents, her grandparents might have been a rough-coated Jack Russell with a dash of Airedale and probably a little Whippet. So I want to talk to you a little bit more about her because she is my gem from a shelter. But we got to pay for the show. So everybody first, let's sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. Oh, behave. We'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now, back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore, and yes, it has been 14 years since I've adopted a dog. My late great dog, Chipper, my husky golden retriever mix, my teammate in teaching pet first aid and pet behavior, passed away, but before she did, she got to help me mentor for 10 weeks, my new dog, Kona, 
whom I adopted from the Rancho Coastal Humane Society in Encinita, California. And I am so lucky. Gosh, I'm doggone lucky. I have Brandon McMillan in the house, and he is the host of Lucky Dog on CBS. And this is what the guy does. So, Brandon, yes, if you don't mind, uh, indulge me a little bit. I can give you a little 411 on Kona. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you're asking me what I do? No, no, I was just going to say I'm going to give you a little info. So hopefully I did the Brandon McMillan way of getting her to bring out her best. But she was at the shelter that was her second shelter. She had never been fostered. And they guessed she was about a year and a half old. She's about 24 pounds. And I call her my smart wuss. She had extreme separation anxiety when I brought her home. But I temperament tested her, including with cats, and she aced it. So I adopted her. And we did have to temporarily put her on Prozac for a couple of weeks. But I'm proud to say I adopted her April 18th. She has now got her canine good citizen. She's in her third level of obedience. And she now teaches pet first aid with my cat, Casey, and I. And she's just bringing out her goodness. But uh, I tried to do what you did. I mean, you really use a lot of positive reinforcement. And we're going to talk about your book, Lucky Dog Lessons. But you didn't even know it, Brandon. You were kind of my mentor. I appreciate it. That's exactly why I do it. <laughs> yeah, she's a goofy looking dog. I mean, she's brown and white, but she's got that funky, like Whoopi Goldberg kind of uh, scruffy look. And uh, her best friend is a 70 pound Bernese mountain dog a friend of mine has named Bujo. And the two of them romp together. She walks very nice on a leash, but I think she's like what you're looking for. She's the kind of dog that is a gem in a shelter. She was just hungry to find a home and loves to learn. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to be an author now. I mean, this Lucky Dog Lessons is a great book, folks. It just came out, I guess it's coming out October 4th, today. Hey, Thanks. timing is everything. So, you know, tell us what inspired you, because you, you have a lot of good information to share with people. And, of course, we can see you every week on CBS on Lucky Dog, but it's nice to have this book. Yeah, the inspiration behind the book was, uh, first of all, I've, I had this book written in my head for years, and... I was I was blogging for a long time. People they always went to my website for you know simple blogs, uh, that, but blogs are only about a page or two, and you get right to the point. And you're almost given the beta version of of a technique on how to solve an issue. Right. So whenever uh, whenever uh, Harper won, they they approached me. They said you know they we read your blogs and they said this right here is a book we want to see on the shelves. And I said, well, good, because I have the book literally written in my head. I had, you know, 300-something pages already. I had like a 1,000 pages, actually, but we could only make the book. (laughs) And so the way I wrote the book, I wanted to make sure one thing. There's been a lot of dog training books over the years, and technically a lot of us just are kind of giving you the same information. There's only so many techniques and so many um, uh, methods out there that before you know it, uh, they've all been in a book. But what I did was I purposely... I went out and I bought all the top dog training books in the past uh, like 10 to 15 years. And I skimmed through them and I, I saw exactly what they wrote. And I'm like, okay, they're pretty much all the same. So I wanted to make sure mine was completely polar opposite. Number one, I, I didn't want to repeat anyone else's information. Right. And the beauty of that is from training animals for the movies for, for so long, I have so many, so many techniques for each command. So in other words, I've got 10 ways to teach a dog a down. And so when I skimmed through these other books, I was like, okay, good. So you guys did the traditional ways that most people, that most people know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you ways that you've never seen, and I'm going to make sure that it's written so simple that even a five-year-old could do it. Because that was the one thing I, I really focused on in this book was making sure to keep the reader in mind. What I noticed with most dog training books 
and unknowingly, a lot of dog trainers do this. When you're an expert and you've been doing it for so long, you don't realize that the reader doesn't understand your language. Exactly. The reader is, is, it's exactly. inside baseball, right? Or inside bone or something, you know? You know what I mean? Exactly. And so I, I noticed a lot of these other books were based on too much, you know, dog talk and too much tech talk, too much, you know, like science behind it. This is all language that only a top-notch dog trainer can understand. Your average reader can barely get their dog to sit and stay. You're throwing these phrases at them that basically they'd have to, you know, be in the dog training game for 15 years to even understand this language. So I wrote the book in such a layman's terms that basically you could be six years old, you could read this, and you could say, you know what, this is so easy, I can get my dog to do this stuff. So I really focused on, on keeping the reader in mind. And that was the most difficult thing because I had to take myself out of my, my educator status of dog trainer that's been doing this for a long time, and I had to jump back into the, the average person that says, okay, I don't even know how to get my dog to sit, how do I do it? That's the beauty of this book. Yeah, I agree. And you hit the, I guess, when you look at this book, folks, I'm pawing through the pages right now, but there there are seven common commands that you go through. And I love that you do give people options, Brandon, but let's run down through them real quick because I think you have them probably tattooed on your forearm. <laughs> yeah, I, I call them the seven common commands, sit, stay, down, come, off, heal, and no. And the reason I call them the common commands is because it's the most common commands you'll tell your dog on a daily basis. In other words, I left out any commands that you really that you don't tell, really tell your dog to do often or a trick. I really left out tricks because, honestly, this is an education obedience book. So I didn't want to teach you, you know, paw and roll over. That is irrelevant to the point of obedience. Right. And also, oh, well, that way sure. you also can uh, broker a sweet deal with Harper for your next book. <laughs> And also, I wanted to make sure that I didn't repeat, I didn't want to double up on commands that are pretty much the same. So in other words, stay and wait are basically the same commands. I didn't want to confuse the reader or add so much information on there that you're basically teaching the same commands. So stay and wait, in my opinion, they're pretty much the same commands. So I just choose stay as one of my seven common commands. Same with uh, no and leave it. It's, okay. basically, it's basically the same commands. So when it comes to dog training, as you know, less is more. Right. I, some of the best trained dogs that I know, they've got, you know, three or four commands, but they're so good at them. You know, in fact, I know some dogs, you're talking high level, um, high level training here. They don't even have a sit, actually. They have a down. And I always say the down is more, more important than a sit for a high energy dog. And the reason why is because, okay, let's, let's think of a high energy dog. Let's say a Border Collie or maybe even like a Malinois. Right. These are dogs that are always in fifth gear. Think about the car engine on and running when the dog is standing on all fours and running around. Well, when you tell the dog to sit, all you did was put the car in park, but those keys are still in the ignition and mm-hmm. you know, the car is still running. It's so easy to, to drop that thing back in gear. And, and go again. But a down command, and this is what I really stress in the book, a down command is probably the most important command you'll ever teach your dog because a down command, now you've taken the keys out of the ignition. A down mm-hmm. is a much command for a high energy dog. And I really, I, I focus on a lot of this stuff in the book. I focus on personalities, what command is good for your dog, what command, what technique is going to be good for not only your dog, your dog's breed, but your dog's specific personality. And I give you variables of each command. So, if this technique of the down didn't work for your dog, well, guess what? Here's a variable number two. And if that's, this one doesn't work, here's variable number three. You shared that story about Ari, I think, you're in the down chapter. And I, I think that was a – I love how you did the engine with the ignition. I'm never going to forget that now. That's really well done. Exactly. And, and so that was another thing I really focused on in the book is, is I, wanted to, I wanted to use a lot of metaphors. When you can use metaphors to describe something, 
and you can bring it back to almost like humanizing, like uh, people visualize how humans are. And I say, okay, well, think about a kid. When you have a one-year-old dog, that one-year-old dog is technically an adolescent. It's like a 13-year-old kid. Think about a 13-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm praying for all the parents right now. Go ahead. <laughs> exactly. Hey, but it's true. When I was 13, I was hell on wheels. We'll have to bring up a picture of you when you're 13. I don't know. what. How long was your hair? Because you have short hair now. I've never really grown it out too long. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Just wondering. All right. So how did you, how were you hell on wheels to your parents? Because you, you guys were in the, you were in the show business land because of your parents. I mean, what made you hell on wheels? I'm just curious. I was a cocky kid. I was, I was young, energetic. I knew it all. It's amazing. I always say when I was 13, I knew it all. And I can't believe, you know, now I'm 39. <laughs> I forgot it all. No, you've developed a, a little bit of humility and, uh, and perspective. And so I think that's, but I would have loved to meet the uh, 13 year old Brandon. I think I would have had some fun. I think my high energy dog Kona would have had fun with your 13 year old self. You guys would have gotten in trouble. Well, um, so what's going on with the book tour? So I know today is the official day, but like uh, a lot of us that are interviewing you for TV and radio and print, you issued out this uh, media copy, which I really enjoy. But I mean, you're in New York City right now. Did you just order everything off the menu on uh, for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> Did you trash the room? I'm just trying to see what, what's happening there. Unfortunately not. First time in history, huh? Yeah, I'm out here. I'm out here promoting the uh, the book. Unfortunately, I'm not doing a nationwide book tour because I don't have time. I have to um, get back to Los Angeles tomorrow and finish filming the season of, of Lucky Dog. I'm still not finished filming the season, so we're right in the middle of filming. We have about a month left of filming season four, um, and season four just premiered last Saturday on CBS. So believe it or not, when you're watching the beginning of a season, we are still filming the end of a season. I have to finish that. Also, um, I'm sure, as you know, I also film Shark Week. I have to go out and film Shark Week um, in the middle of this month. So, you know, I, 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 I don't know why I'm not feeling any pity for you. I know it's crazy, but think of what you just said that sentence. I'm finishing up filming season four for a lucky dog. And, and then I got to go to Shark Week. I mean, goodness gracious. I want to be Brandon McMillan. I mean, really, isn't that a great opportunity? Well, the good news is I, I don't have to uh, I don't have to go on vacation anymore because Shark Week. <laughs> that's stuff that I would do on vacation anyway. I literally, when I go on vacation, I don't do your traditional like just go to a nice beach and, and hang out. I book shark dives, you know, in dangerous areas of the world because I like to, you know, I want to look back at my life one day and and I want it to flash before my eyes and make sure it's worth watching. Well, for folks that love watching you on Lucky Dog on CBS on Saturday mornings, tell us a little bit about your connection with sharks. I remember when we were on before, you did tangle with the two-ton shark. And, and so tell us this connection with sharks and with Shark Week and what they can look forward to seeing you this season. Well, Shark Week, I was actually doing Shark Week before Lucky Dog, believe me, before I was filming Lucky Dog. And because my two biggest passions, obviously, are, are dogs, but also wild animals and sharks kind of, uh, sharks are one of the, my favorite wild animals to work with. And I've always been into shark diving. It's always been a passion of mine. And next thing you know, there was a story, there's this beach in Central California that um, it gets attacked by great whites every two years, almost on the day, right? Actually in October. So right now in 2016, there should be either shark attacks on this beach or shark sightings. People really? Know beach where, yeah, it's, it's kind of, um, you know, believe it or not, like great whites are kind of like, um, they're kind of like salmon. They're very computerized in their, in their life. They always go, they follow exact patterns in their life and in their hunts. So what we know is sharks go back to this beach because they've hunted successfully in October every in every even year. It's very strange how it works, but um, we have a lot of scientific facts and 
and there's been a lot of research on this. So that's what our show is about. It's, it's about researching these great whites along this region of the coastline in California that basically they come back every two years, almost almost an exact same day. But we know in October, that's kind of their time they're hanging around. And people have been killed on this beach. And so we're praying to God nobody gets killed this year. But the fact is, if someone does, it, it's, it was kind of a known fact that um, October was the time that if, if it was going to happen. Now, you're obviously not going to be able to use your seven common commands on a great white. How do you interact with a great white to keep yourself safe, but uh, to still get up close and personal? Yeah, unfortunately, none of the techniques in my book will work on (laughs) 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 Sid, good white shark, good, good. You know what? You got to do the good. You do it better than I do. Ready? Do it. (laughs) Good. It's it's from the bottom. You got to like push it up from the bread basket. Good. There you go. Very good. All right. Uh-oh. My dog, Kona, is like, what? The ears are cocked. So how do you interact safely when you're with sharks? For Because you've got the camera crew and everything else, but sharks well, you, don't care. You said the key word. You interact. You can't train a shark, obviously, but um, you have to interact and you have to... Sharks, uh, believe it or not, they're very emotional animals and they give a lot of signs through their body language. They're kind of like dogs in that sense. Think oh, about okay. a dog. Well, think about a dog, how its body language, it doesn't lie. In other words, when the ears go up, the dog is being alerted to something. When the hackles go up, now it's, it's on alert. Potentially, it's, it's going to fight. Same with the tail wagging. So you have all these body language signs that dogs give. Sharks give them, too. Um, they have their pectoral fins, the ones on the mm-hmm. side. But right. those things, start, those things they, they move in different positions. And if, when you dive with sharks enough, you understand those different positions that they keep them in. That is a sign. They're t- that's what they're telling you. And so, so anyway, if you, once you learn how to spot these signs of what these sharks are giving you, once you learn how to spot these signs, um, it makes it a lot easier to dive with them. Because like I always say, look, animals, they don't lie. They don't understand the, the ability to lie like humans do. They don't lie right to your face. Animals, they're basically just trying to survive. And one of the best ways to survive a threat, because they look at, if they see something that they're curious of, and that's what, that's what we are, we're, we raise their curiosity. If they show a little um, uh, reluctance to come near us, or if they see that we're coming near them, they're actually giving a sign saying, stay away. But the average, the, the average human does not understand this. But if you dive with them enough, you're seeing, oh, his, his pectoral fins went down and he, and, he, uh, and he moved them twice. That right there is a little reluctance you know, on his part, and he's saying, get away from me. And, oh, I, and nice. trust me, I would heed the warning. <laughs> yeah. Here's the kicker, though, Brandon. You have to dive a lot and pay attention to their cues to know what they're saying. Well, I'm just thinking of the person that's making the first dive that gets over exuberant. Is there some good safety tips you can give the uh, eager diver so that they can actually be able to walk back on land again? Well, first of all, most likely if you're if you're diving with sharks, most likely you're you're in a cage. Now there are places like the Bahamas where you can do cage free diving with the tiger sharks, and that's where you really have to spot the signs. If you see a shark in the wild accidentally, you have to keep in mind two things. Number one, if you see the shark and you're not dead in about three or four seconds, most likely that's you. And the reason why I say that is because it's not the shark you see you have to worry about. It's the shark you don't see. So oh. sharks they have two modes. They have investigation mode and they have predation mode investigation mode is when they're curious of something, they don't know what you are, but they don't have hands like we do. So, you know, when we go to a gift shop and we pick things up, we look at it, we're like, oh, it's a salt and pepper shaker. Sharks don't have that. So their hands are, are their mouth. Now, the way they test out what you are is they give you a quick little nibble. Now, when I say nibble, I really do mean, <laughs> you got to remember that's, that's over 2,000 pounds of pressure 
or a real bite. A nibble only gives maybe you know a few hundred pounds, but you add sushi knives in that few hundred pounds, it's going to lacerate your body up. Now, usually these nibbles are not fatal, but right. they will the hospital. Now, the predation attack, that's when the shark's coming at you 30 miles an hour. Like I said, you have about two or three seconds until you are toast. Um, usually these are typically these, if they're not fatal, these were meant to be fatal uh, on the shark's behalf because, again, the shark is now in hunting mode. It is now trying to survive. So have you gotten close to one of those predation modes? And I know you're still here and you're a big dude and you're very muscular, but I don't want to talk about no. what you left in the ocean at, at, from your swim trunks, but how do you, how do you, um, <laughs> no. I mean, okay. Predation is rare. And like yeah. I said, full predation mode. Um, if you live to tell the tale, you're usually without a leg. So, uh, yeah, I have avoided predation mode. Now, typically when I dive with great whites anyway, I'm in a cage. So I don't have to worry about predation mode in a great white. However, I have had my cage grabbed by an 18-footer in New Zealand, and it was more of a curiosity grab. The Mm -hmm. the shark grabbed the the, the buoy of the cage, and he grabbed it for about 10 to 15 seconds and shook it. I would not let go, and I felt like a pinball in a pinball machine. Oh, man. Yeah, and that was just curiosity from the shark. It wasn't trying to grab me. Yeah, he knows. He probably sniffed you and went, oh, dude, that's Brandon McMillan. He's got that cool show on CBS. We've been watching it under the ocean all these years. Yeah, yeah, let's leave him alone. Let's just have a little fun with him, right? Yeah, exactly. I told him to, I told him to buy a copy of my book. You know, Yeah, that. yeah, the waterproof copy, right? Hey, everybody, we're speaking with Brandon McMillan. Yes, he is the host of the Emmy Award-winning Lucky Dog, and he has a new book out I want you all to get. I don't care if you've had your dog for years or, like me, you've just adopted a great dog from a shelter or rescue group. It's called Lucky Dog Lessons and Train Your Dog in Seven Days. And he goes through the common commands, but as he mentioned earlier in the show, It's not your same old, same old dog training book. He's relating to you, and that's what makes him a good trainer. That's what makes him a great host on the show, and that's why he is dog's best friend. We're going to learn a little bit more, but we've got to pay for the show. So here's my command. Sit, stay good, listeners. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash. Right after these messages. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Holy hound dog! Hi, this is Burt Ward, and you're listening to the OB Cave Show with Arden Moore on Pet Life Radio. Listen every week, same pet time, same pet channel. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper, and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to OB Cave. Here's Arden. 
Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I got one of my favorite guys on the planet on the show. I'm talking about Brandon McMillan. We've met a couple of times. Um, we've discussed a little bit about his talents with sharks, and we know he is great with dogs. And I wanted to also congratulate you because you were the ambassador for the uh, recent Fido-friendly Get Your Licks on Route 66 tour that also helped get a lot of pets adopted. First of all, I want to thank you for being the ambassador for that. And how was that to be able to do that job again? It's always great. I, you know, look, the, the main goal with, with everything I do is my goal is to clear the shelters out. That's the bottom line. And the Get Your Licks tour it really does help. In fact, I've heard. Um, I don't do the actual tour with them. I just right. um, I do the kickoff. But they, you know, they gave me reports like, oh, we were in um, Arizona and we almost cleared the entire shelter out. And we were in Missouri and basically, you know, it was it was quadruple what they usually get on a weekend. So that's my main goal with with um, with anything when I do with animals. I just want to I want to try to solve this epidemic we have going on in America. We have about a million and a half dogs every year euthanized in this country alone because they can't find homes. And so this is a, you know, this is a massive epidemic. The problem is huge. And unfortunately, the answers aren't so simple. I wish they were because there's so many variables. But look, if I can, through Lucky Dog and through, you know, through my new book and through, through helping you know, organizations all over the country, if we can, we can make a huge dent, if not take a big bite out of this, uh, this epidemic going on, I'm all for it. And speaking of your training, I know you've got a training center and you've got, you know, the show, but I've seen uh, some episodes, too, where you've taken dogs and helped get them to earn their service dog credentials uh, for some of the the military. And I saw one episode that you, you did train a dog. I, I'm trying to think of the name of the dog and I'm, it's, I'm blanking, but, you know, you were walking up and down the steps and you put rocks in your shoes and you were trying to make sure that this dog is being trained specifically for that veteran. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I do. The best thing you can do as a dog trainer, especially a service dog trainer, you have to mimic your environment. You have to mimic your uh, the handler as as best as you can. So, in other words, I train a lot for the uh, disabled veterans, specifically the ones who stepped on IEDs and they're missing their limbs and they're on prosthetics. Now, although I can't I can't mimic that part, I can at least mimic the movement of how the how the veterans walk and also. The reason I put rocks in my shoes when I'm walking my dogs is uh, it's very simple. People always ask me that. They're like, why don't you just limp? I say, because here's the deal. When a dog gets to a point, dog gets to a point, it's so well-trained. My foot movement and my, you know, I'm so used to, if something goes wrong, if that dog pulls the wrong way or it's not doing its job, I can quickly move my feet and, and adjust. I want to put rocks in my shoes. That way I can't adjust quickly. I try okay, to adjust. Good. Yeah. I step on that rock and it hurts. So that dog literally has to help me. If I start getting wobbly, the dog actually has to help me. And so I do this on purpose because I want to mimic the handler as much as humanly possible. You want to hear something, you want to hear something funny. It's, um, I do this all over town with, with service dogs. And so I actually, you know, I spend, I spend months training these dogs. And so I actually put rocks in my shoes and walk around town. I, I go to you know, Trader Joe's <laughs> uh, these grocery stores and shop with these dogs and People see me walking, and they really, they really think that I'm disabled with a service dog. And they're like, like "What happened oh. to What happened to Brandon? Yeah. Oh no!" Well, I had in sunglasses, but they yeah. let me in the line. You got the front end of the Disney line too. I know you, that's what you're doing, man. You're putting rocks in your shoe and getting getting first dibs. I'm just kidding. 
It restores my faith in humanity. There you go. There you go. Well, we do want to give a shout out. It is called the Argus Service Dog Foundation. And I do want, before I we say goodbye to your website, it is canineminded.com. Is that correct? Yeah. Canine spelled, spelled out correctly. C-A-N-I-N. Yes. Yeah. Not fancy, not with the K, but canine. Canineminded.com. And that's where um, you can order the book on there. You can read about the, um, you can read about the blogs. But of course, the book is now the uh, true version of the blogs, the dog training tips. And so it's a very popular site for, uh, for dog lovers because, again, it's, they use it as a resource to, uh, to solve issues now. And now that, now that resource has become a book. I'm really proud of you. I know I, that means nothing probably to you, but I've written over two dozen pet books. A lot of them aren't cats because people don't understand cats. And I have the only cat in the country teaching pet first aid. And I would love Casey to meet you, Brandon. He's an orange tabby who comes on command, walks on a leash, jumps up on a table on cue, sits and gives a high paw. And he's a lefty. So, of course, I'm going to punt it. it. He's a south paw. And we teach kids at the SPCA of Texas. We play a little game called Canine, Feline, Fact or Fiction with your game show host, Kona and Casey. And then my dog and cat come in the room and we try to educate the kids in a fun way. But what do you think about cat training, Brandon? Are we going to do a lucky cat show together? Yeah, look, cats are very trainable. The only difference is, you know, cats are not motivated the same way dogs are. And it takes, obviously, a lot longer. So the title of my book now, Lucky Dog Lessons, is Train Your Dog in Seven Days. (laughs) I would would say if it was a lucky cat lesson, it would be train your cat in seven years. (laughs) (laughs) If he'll let you, right? Exactly. They're definitely very trainable animals, but um, yeah, it takes a lot longer. And cats are, uh, they don't fall for the same tricks that we can do with dogs. They're a well, lot more, yeah. their survival is 10 times better. Well, I think with Casey, um, he lives with five dogs, my cat. And I think what it was is I found out he was really motivated by food. And I just try to put the energy out there that it's your idea, Casey. It's your show, Casey. And when I do that, I think that's how I succeed. What do you think? I think you're spot on. I have to make concessions to the cat. The dogs, they want to go, yeah, yeah, what next, what next? So speaking of what next, is there a cool dog you want to just tease that you're going to be uh, spotlighting in this season four? We're almost done. We've got about a month to go. And like I said, once I'm done with that, I, I take right off to Shark Week. But this season, oh, this season, we it's funny. Every season, I, I think to myself, man, we can't top that season or we can't top that one episode. And magically, what this show gives me every season, we do. We top it because the bottom line is you'll never run out of heartwarming stories. You'll never run out of reasons and you'll never run out of great dogs coming out of the shelters. And so this season has surprised me more than more than any other because I've gotten some dogs that they came out left field. Uh, the season opener, um, as you saw last weekend, Charlotte, she was a, uh, a three-legged dog and she was also missing an eye and she suffered massive abuse and neglect and this is why she lost her leg. So, you know, I, I changed her life around and found her a beautiful home. I have this one dog coming up. Her name is Olive and she's a little poodle. Um, she, she took me by surprise. She came out of left field. When I adopted her, I was just thinking, oh, this would be a great dog for, you know, maybe an elderly person. She's very calm. She's very sweet. Right. And suddenly I didn't know her personality. I'm like, whoa, this dog was therapy dog 101. She had all the right makings right off the bat. I just had to train her and, and make some adjustments. And so what I trained her to be was a therapy dog for children in the court system awaiting trial. So she is actually a dog, a therapy dog in the courthouse. So when these kids oh, are nice. with their testimonies, they can actually have a dog with them and, and calm them down, make them feel better. Because let me tell you something. I saw it firsthand when I was, uh, we went to Missouri and shot this episode. When I was in the courthouse, I realized that 
you know, I haven't been a kid in a long time, and I'm, I forgot what it's like to be a kid. You're scared, especially when you're in front of a, a judge and you have to give a testimony. The best thing you can do with a kid is give them everything you can to calm them down, make them feel better. And parents, unfortunately, is what they're giving their testimony against. So this dog, Olive, has now become a therapy dog in the courthouse to help you know, ease these kids' anxiety as they're giving their testimony on the witness stand. And I've, I've heard testimony after testimony from, um, from the woman that actually owns her now. She says you know, she has seen kids cry for, for you know, 20, 30 minutes at a time with this dog, Olive, in their arms giving their testimony. You won't see this on the, on the phone, but this is, a, this is actually a testimonial after the fact. She said this one girl cried so hard she held Olive, and Olive was covered in tears after the testimony. Oh, my gosh. What dog. a gift. What a gift. This dog just had it in her, and you found what was best for her and for others. That is, that's a, okay, the hair on my arms are standing up. I got to confess, I can't wait to see the Olive episode. And before we go, I do want to say, you know, the book is called Lucky Dog Lessons, and it is by a great guy. His name is Brandon McMillan. He's won an Emmy. He doesn't care about that. What he cares about is taking dogs and giving them a second chance, a chance to thrive and to be in a home. So he goes to shelters and he plucks them out. But Brandon, you do this better than I do. Tell us the tagline you always say at the end of each show. From hopeless to a home, that's my mission, one dog at a time. Beautiful. And uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very simple. It's, um, I really, it's a tagline that basically I didn't really have to think of to put it in the show. That's just, that's the way I've always felt. That's the mission I've always uh, focused on. And I think, well, uh, you do it we well. All, you know, I think if we all just, uh, you know, a little bit of effort into this uh, into this epidemic that's going on in the country. We could all together we could solve this problem because right now it's out of control. It is, and I got to tell you, I hope one day I travel all over the country teaching pet first aid with Kona and Casey. I really hope you get to meet Kona because she is one of those shelter gems. And I don't call them rescues, Brandon. I call them shelter alums because I think they came from a place, and we got to support the shelters. What do you think of that? I, I'm totally, I 100% agree with you. All right, so Ice Cream Kona is going to meet Brandon. Good, 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 good from Lucky Dog. I think that's a date. All right, you got it. Sooner or later. All right. Hey, everybody, I also want to thank my producer, Mark Winter. He makes the show happen each and every week. We are part of the Pet Life Radio Network. That's the number one pet radio network on the planet. And a lot of kudos goes to the Wizard of Paws, Mr. Mark Winter. And folks, go to canineminded.com to find out more about Brandon McMillan. It's kind of a launching site for the Lucky Dog Show and everything. And check out his blogs. Uh, if you're interested in my site, go to Four Legged Life. And that's also spelled out Four Legged Life and Pet First Aid for You. So until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave! Coast to coast and around the world, it's Oh, Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.